0: Amen. Praise God. Thank you, worship team, for leading us deeper into him and his presence. A few weeks ago, we started a new series here at Walk Church that we've been titling Identity Theft. And the reason why we've chosen this title, although it may sound a bit strange, is that that when it comes to identity, it's so important that we know who we are. And and not just who we are, but why we're here, why we're created, who created us. And I can't think of anybody better in the Bible to learn from outside of Jesus than David and his lessons that he teaches us on the subject of identity. I want to give you a quick definition for the word identity so that we're all on the same page and we know what we're talking about when we talk about this phrase, identity. A simple definition is this, the condition of being oneself or itself and not the other. The condition of being oneself or itself and not the other. That's, that, that's what identity means this morning. It's the condition of being something and not being anything else other than that thing. And I, I believe that as believers in Christ and as just human beings in general, we are something this morning. And God tells us who we are. Specifically in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27, God says that we are created in his image and in his likeness. So we're actually we're actually image bearers of God himself. And when we stop acting like who we are, we have an identity thief on our hands. There's something that's robbing us, stealing away from us who it is that we actually are. For example, this right here, what is this? A pumpkin. A pumpkin now mind you it's a blue pumpkin so don't get distracted um, but but it's a pumpkin and a pumpkin is going to do what a pumpkin does so for example if this pumpkin starts to act like a banana something's wrong there right the pumpkin is having an identity crisis I don't know if this is making sense but my, my point is this the pumpkin needs to do what the pumpkin does because when the pumpkin does what the pumpkin does it's it's at its best When the pumpkin stops doing what the pumpkin does, everybody's pumpkin pie in Thanksgiving doesn't taste as good. And you're wondering, what's the reason for that? When we stop acting how God created us to act, and we start to have identities that are no longer influenced and informed by God, that's when we're going to miss our purpose in life. That's when we're going to lose our joy in life. That's when our, 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 all of a sudden we're going to be distracted upon what God had for us. And we're going to begin to, to drift away from his purpose and plan for our lives. And I believe that in our culture, there's thieves that, that desire to steal away our identity. I think we've even seen that in our city. Right? When people talk about Las Vegas, they describe it as what? The city of sin. And we say here at Walk Church that Las Vegas is the city of him. That's the, the real identity for our city. The true identity for Las Vegas is that this is his city. It's not Sin doesn't own this city. God owns the city. And we're declaring that today. And I want us to make sure that we're all on the same page when we talk about identity here at Walk Church. And we've been learning from the story of David. And I want us to continue in that this morning. So if you have a Bible, we're going to look at a lot of verses of Scripture this morning. Um, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're reading specifically verse 1 through 11 to kick it off. If you need a Bible, um, we have one for you if you need one, and in, in, um, if you want to look at the screens, you can join us in that as well. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1 through 11. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. If, If you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're locked in, say locked in. I like that right there. Father God, we're locked in this morning. As we just sang, Lord, we're wide awake, drawing close to you by your grace. And now, God, we've come to a position of a disciple. We've come to a place where we're at your feet. We're ready to listen. God, unclog our ears right now. God, focus our hearts this moment. So that as the message is being preached, we can hear your voice clearly through it. So Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your strength. And God, we need your word. We need your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Soco, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soco and Azekah in Ephesimim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. There came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs, a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come up to draw, out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? afraid I just want to stop right there and I want us to to acknowledge what we're reading here I want I want to set the stage for us I want to provide some setting for the scenario that we just read this historical account of biblical information that we can learn from this morning specifically in regards to identity can you can you imagine it can you imagine the battle scene right there's this this war that's being waged between the the people of God the armies of Israel the Israelites and the group of Philistines that are desiring to take over Israelite land and desiring to make their God into a mockery and desiring to take over this area that Israel has claimed and owned that God has given them for generations and the Philistines are coming up upon them saying we want your land we want your stuff and we want to come in here and we want to we want to take over and so there's this, there's this battleground that has emerged. And, and how the battle would be in this culture would be there would be two different sides. So there'd be a, a side right here. Let's just imagine this is the Israelite side. And there would be a, a space right in between here. And then the Philistines would be on this side. This was the great war that was being waged. And the text says that a champion emerged. A champion in this culture would, was somebody who would appear from one of the sides. Somebody would rise up. There would just be kind of some jeering back and forth, some, some old school biblical trash talking, all right? Like, somebody step out and do something. And then someone on the other side was, you step out and do something. No one, and they would just kind of be like, kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm going to go in yet. Well, emerged a champion. A champion was somebody who stepped forward and said, I'm going to do something. So emerged out of the Philistines was a champion named Goliath it means that a person separated the two right and when he stepped forward and began his biblical trash talking and saying what are you guys going to do bring some man about to kill me aren't you servants of Saul and when he says that what he means by that is saying hey aren't aren't you uh, where's your king at and king Saul is in the background kind of shivering and shaken and Saul's supposed to be right there the champion of Israel the king of israel remember if you if we can go back a couple weeks we were introduced to king saul he was appointed by samuel the prophet to be the king of god's people the king of israel and yet because of his disobedience god said one day you'll no longer be king i'm going to raise up a new king and it's going to be this young man named david he's a man after my heart but david hasn't been appointed as king he had just been pronounced that one day he'll be king and so Saul is still king in the presence of the people of Israel, yet he's not stepping up toward Goliath. The text says that he was dismayed and greatly afraid. I looked up what the word dismayed means. It just means to be really stressed out, right? So, so here's Saul getting really, really stressed out because the people of Israel are like, hey, Saul, brother just called you out. I'm not going to step up. I'm not the king. You, you're supposed to be, you're, you're kind of buff and tough and you're Saul and you, 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 you have a really cool profile picture on Facebook, but now we're here, like we're in real life. You know, it was cool when we were all in the gym together working out, but like now we're here and we need you to step up and Saul got really stressed out. It says he was dismayed and became greatly afraid. Greatly afraid is how you define the word terrified. Like if you look up the word terrified, it says greatly afraid. So, so we have the people of Israel, God's chosen people, terrified and stressed out. I just want to tell you this this morning. I think there's some principles that we can pull out of these verses. That God hasn't called you to live terrified and stressed out. Hallelujah. He hasn't called you for that. Those are identity thieves. Yeah. When, when you start to get really dismayed, really stressed out about things, all of a sudden the, the, the thief of your identity is trying to take in and strip your identity so that you define yourself as somebody who's really stressed out. And then you act upon the stress. Or when you're greatly afraid and terrified. I I mean, I think there's over 300 verses in the Bible where God says, fear not, right? He's trying to deliver a message to his people. You don't have to be afraid. You take that to the New Testament where Jesus says these words through Paul to Timothy. He says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but instead a spirit of power so here's the identity thief fear creeps in and then takes away your power God's given you a spirit of power God's even anointed this guy named Saul to be king and yet he is afraid and really stressed out so I want to speak back to fear this morning if you came in here and you're afraid of something I want to speak back to that right I wanna speak back to the fear and the stress and say that, hey, you can trust in a God who can take away stress, he can take away fear, and he can replace those things with power and self-control and value and love that's so deep that it washes over all the stress and fear that you may be feeling this morning. But see, if, you don't, if you're not aware of that, then you may listen to the thieves of your identity. I just wanna make you aware this morning, and so does God, hey, that you're more than a conqueror, these are verses of scripture in Romans 8. He says, anybody who's in Christ is more than a conqueror. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That means if you came in here feeling condemned, just know that that's not from Jesus. That's an identity thief. Now, if you came in here feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit about something, that just means that Jesus is trying to get you something right. Something in your heart is off, and Jesus, is, he loves you enough to convict you, and just the conviction is just saying, don't do that. I love you enough not to let you run on the street like that. <laughs> I love you enough to tell you that that's not going to work out for you. I love you enough that it's going to break your heart. I love you enough to tell you that you shouldn't be in that environment. That's conviction, right? Condemnation is if you're a believer in Christ here and you're just thinking, man, I messed up again. I'll, I'm going to hell. Like that's not necessarily what the Holy Spirit is saying. If you believe in Jesus, he's saying, hey, I just want to get you right. That's all I want to I want to get you better. But if you're feeling stressed and afraid, those are identity thieves, and that's what Saul was feeling. He was greatly afraid. Now, I do want to say one thing. I don't want to take away from the circumstance, all right, because the guy that they were going up against was a beast, all right? I want to give you some some commentary from the NLT translation, 1 Samuel 17, verse 4 through 7. In the New Living, it says it like this, then Goliath, a Philistine, a champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Can someone say that's a big dude? That's a big dude, dude, all right? Notice how the translator put an exclamation point there. Like, he was nine feet tall! (laughs) Man! No, over nine feet tall. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. So there's some people in here, his coat weighed the same amount as you, all right? That's a big, heavy coat, all right? He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. Has anybody ever seen a javelin? Like, that's a long, big, sharp pole thing. And he's just, like, carrying that on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. So even the spearhead was 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. And so I just want to go ahead and just say, hey, let's have a spirit of understanding. There's a a little bit of understanding as to why Saul would be stressed out by this champion. Right? Let's just go ahead and call that what it is. That's a big, scary, crazy (laughs) Goliath. Great name. Um, I want us to keep reading because I think that we can continue to pull more out of these verses as we continue here we we run into a guy by the name of Jesse I would encourage you to read this story on your own because you're gonna learn a lot from it but there's a guy by the name of Jesse that appears Jesse had eight sons that's a lot of sons the youngest of the sons was named David the oldest of the son was named Eliab and Eliab and his other two older brothers uh, joined the armies of Saul so they said Saul we're gonna join your army so I just want you to imagine this I'm setting the stage so you have Saul the the king and then you have the army behind him, hundreds of army guys. And, and three of those guys were Eliab and his two older brothers. The other brothers were back at the camp. They weren't invited to be on the army. And David being the youngest of the brothers, he would go back and check on his brothers. You guys need anything? Can I get you a cup of water? Can I get you a piece of bread? Jesse would be like, no, get out of here, David. David would go back to the other brothers. You guys good? Y'all need anything? All right, I'm gonna go take care of the sheep. And so he had this kind of triangle he was doing, all right? That sets the stage. We're here in battle. Goliath's talking stuff. Saul scared. The brothers of Jesse are there, the sons of Jesse are there. And David's just kind of floating around doing his job. Faithful to do his job when nobody's watching. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went, and Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things and charged the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. Verse 23. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. I love this right here. It says, and David heard him. I want to highlight this phrase, and David heard him. This, this fact that, that, that for the first time, this young brother, David, is like, hold on, hold on. What did he just say, Dean? Right? Like, I've been kind of just going back and forth. I know he's a big, scary dude, but David's like, I just heard something that I didn't like. What? Come again, Big man, across will the, the field. And David hears him, David David listens to him. And I think that there's, there's an important, important talking point just here for a second, because it's a transitional point because we're introduced to this young man named David. And I want us to talk a little bit about David as we get to read a little bit more of his story. And this is gonna continue over the next few weeks with our series. But David hears these words of disrespect coming from Goliath trying to steal away the identity of God's people and all of a sudden he gets upset about what's happening here let's continue reading all the men of Israel when they saw the man fled from him and were much afraid and the men of Israel said have you seen this man who has come up surely he has come up to defy Israel and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Let's keep reading, verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Right, I I love that right there. The people said, in the same way, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. So David speaks back to all this murmuring, this distress, this distray, this terribly afraid. Look at verse 26 with me, it's on the screen. David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I wanna focus in on this and then we're gonna close here pretty soon. I just wanna focus in on this one verse. David speaks back to the voice of the enemy but at first, he has to speak back to the people in his camp. I love how the people in the camp put out this bargain, specifically King Saul, right? King Saul's like, all right, look, army, I'm not going to go fight the dude. But if somebody does and they kill him, like, I'm going to give you my daughter for marriage. I'm going to make it so that you never have to pay tax again in the state. Like, I'm going to make it so, like, you have tons of riches. Your whole family's going to be rich. And I think David's just like, what is going on right now? Like, what type... He's over here talking stuff and we're over here like making a deal. But David's like, you know, like I I wouldn't mind the deal, you know, like I, I have to work in the sheep field every day to try to earn a buck. Like I can take this dude out, (laughs) right? Like, and, and look what, look what he says here. Look at the words that he says in verse 26. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I want to talk about this phrase before we close, and it's it's simply this. It's the power of perspective. The power of perspective. If I would have a title for the message today, it would be this, the power of perspective. There's a lot of power when you have the right perspective, church. Right? Right? I'm I'm glad that Kelly heard me, amen. There's a lot of power when you have the right perspective. See, one perspective is this. I have, I have my own strength and my own power and in my own strength and in my own power, I cannot defeat this guy. So I'm scared and dismayed. That's a perspective. And if you have that perspective, everybody else around you is going to follow that perspective. David has a different perspective right here. First off, he says, who is this man? Let's look back at verse 26. He says, who is this man that is, is defying Israel? This is a good question because you know the truth. You know what the, the answer to that question is. It doesn't matter who this man is. What David's saying here is, I don't even care who this man is, right? He's saying, "Who is this man?" I, I used to watch wrestling, and one of my favorite characters. well, you—I say used to. All right, don't no judgment here in church. All right, we can be transparent. I, I did, and and I used to love the the character The Rock. And the rock had this funny phrase. He would ask people their name. He would say, excuse me, what's your name? And right when they answer, it doesn't matter what your name is. Right? I just, someone, that was, that's going to be your favorite part of the message. And I want you to get more than that. But does anybody remember that? Are we really clapping for that? Really? All right. Just go with me, right? It doesn't matter what you. and so that's what David's doing here. Who is this guy? It doesn't matter who this guy is. Do you guys, did y'all forget who we are? Like, did you forget that our God brought us out of Egypt? Did you forget that God is never lost? Did you forget that God is on our side? Did you forget that that He said, "If I'm for you, who can be against you? Did you forget when, when God spoke to Abraham and he said, "Who's too strong for me?" And when Sarah was, was going to have a baby and they were scared, and then God said, "There's nothing too strong for the Lord." And David says, It doesn't matter who this guy is. The power of perspective. Here's the perspective that David took. He took this perspective that we can't lose. He took this perspective that, you know what? I'm going to draw near to God, and he's going to empower us to do the things that only he can do. That this man can't touch us. That we have faith in a, not a dead God, but what does he say here? Say it with me living God. Perspective. Like David could say, man, our God is dead and he would have dead faith and he would be dead in the battle. But David has a perspective here that he says he's going to defy the armies of the living God. When you have a perspective that God is alive, that means when you walk into the room, God walks in the room with you when you have a perspective that God is alive that means that he's alive in your family that means he's alive in your home that means he's alive at the workplace that means he's alive with you wherever you go whatever you do whatever you say whatever you think that means that we have a God that's alive amen it's a perspective thing that means for our athletes in the room when you step on the football field you don't step on alone when you step into the softball game, that means that God is there with you. When you step onto the basketball court, when you're getting ready to coach, that means that you have a living God. That means you can't lose. Yes. Even if you lose in the physical, you can't lose in the spiritual because Jesus already won their battle. Yes. Amen. And so I, I want us to learn from the perspective of David here that, that even though you have a Goliath screaming back at you, what are you going to do? David has this overwhelming perspective, this awareness, this awakening. Who is this guy? Don't you love that right there? Who is this man? He's weak compared to the God who's alive. I want us to continue reading just a few more verses before we finish up, and we'll see even more here that that this is powerful. Let's keep reading on to verse 28. Now, Eliab, this is his own brother. His eldest brother heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. That means he just got really angry with his brother. And he said, why have you come down? With whom have you left the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. Verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. And so now you have opposition, not just from Goliath, but from your own brother. Eliab saying, I know you got a wicked heart. You just wanted to come down and see the battle. And David says, what a man stop, you know, just stop. Like, bro, you're always hating, you know, always negative perspective is key here. Right? Like. Let me ask you your perspective. I was in a conversation this past week and and we were just talking about perspective. I was like, man, I just always look at that glass as half full. I I, I see that glass as, no, like God's in it. It's half full. It's not half empty. I think that we should have a God perspective and not just a, a God perspective, a big God perspective. Like a big, huge, strong God perspective. Challenge God in these areas. Say, God, are you big enough to fight this battle for me? I've never seen God turn it down. I've never seen God lose a battle. You never will see God lose a battle. You'll see us lose a battle on our own power. And David's saying, man, why are you talking like that, dude? Where's your perspective? There's power in perspective. If you're negative, we're all going to be negative. If we're positive and we we believe in a living God, it's going to change some things. There's power in perspective. Sometimes your own team comes against you. Let's keep reading on the verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. So I love this. Somebody went went up to Saul and said, hey, Saul, you remember that young dude, David, who can like play the harp and he watches the sheep and stuff? Like he's kind of talking crazy. You should probably talk to him. And David's over here rallying everybody up. Like they're having like a huddle. They're getting excited. They're getting pumped up. Like who can defy the God of Israel? We don't have nothing to be afraid of. And Saul goes, all right, let me, let me go, let me go take care of this. So Saul sent for him, verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Look at Saul's response. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. Perspective, amen? Amen now you got the king going against you now you got your brother going against you you got goliath going against you he has been a man of war from his youth but david said to stall i love i love how david is having this dialogue his confidence is so strong in god his focus is so locked in on god that he won't even let the king of israel discourage him or change his perspective Like David is telling the king now. What an example here. David is saying, hey, I'll go fight him for you. You don't even got to do nothing for me. I'll go take care of this guy for the God of Israel. And now Goliath is saying, you can't go to the battle. You're just a youth. It's not true. There's a perspective that's greater that, that we can tap into and that we can see right here. David speaks right back to the king. And I just want to encourage you with a principle this morning. This is just a principle. When nobody else is willing to stand up for Jesus around you, you still stand. When your own brother speaks words of lies to you, and the king and the person that has authority, your boss or your leader is trying to discourage you and say, maybe you're too young or maybe you're too old or maybe you're not powerful enough or maybe you don't know the Bible enough or maybe you haven't been to church enough or maybe you're not you're not godly enough and you're trying to stand up for your faith don't let anybody speak back to that have a different perspective have a have a have a renewed perspective in your mind have a David perspective where he says hey my God's alive that's all I got for you my God's living he's not dead and my God's in me, and he's going to use me. And I don't care what you say, but I'm going for it. Amen. Because it's this perspective that when I'm with him, and when I'm walking in him, I can't lose. I love the Jesus wind shirt. That's why we made Jesus wind shirts, and we passed them out all around the world, literally. I hear reports from Africa about people that are wearing our Jesus windshirts, shirts. And people that are, are wearing them all over the place, and all over our nation. And it's just this, this the, the, it's, there's not power in the shirt. It's power in what the shirt represents. That when you're in Christ, you can't lose. You're on the winning team. And David has this perspective right here. He's saying, I can't lose. I want us to, to, to look at this last part. And we're going to close after this, I promise you, because I want to leave some more to talk about next week because there's a lot more to talk about. But let's look very closely And we'll close with this. Let's look very closely at what David says back to King Saul. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, verse 35, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Come on, church, right? He says, he'll be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies again of the living God. Our God is alive, right? And David said, the Lord who de- delivered me from the paw, the lion, and from the paw, the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. I love that right there. And Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. All right, we're gonna stop right there. I just want us to focus on that because I don't wanna go any further. I just want us to hear this. Hear me right now. Everybody lock in on me, lock in on me. Let me see everybody's eyes. Perspective matters. But not only does perspective matter, and if someone from our worship team is gonna come back up, you can come back up now because we're getting ready to close. But if you can have the right focus and if you can have the right perspective, and you can see things through a God lens, right? It, your, your lens could be a little foggy or a little cloudy, but if you can, if you can wipe that off with the scriptures, allow the Bible to wash your, your glasses off so you can see through the lens or your contacts or just your eyeballs, so you can th- see through the lens of a living God, there's nothing you can't do. There's no sin that's stronger than him. There's no spiritual warfare that can overtake the God that lives inside you yes. and the last piece here that, that, that informs our perspective so a lot of things inform our perspective God informs our perspective but here's, here. how about this your past informs your perspective notice what David says in the verse right he draws upon a memory did you see it? did you catch it? did you catch the memory that David had? church text David says you know what there was a time when nobody was watching now everybody's watching but there was a time where nobody was watching and I was doing my faithful duty of protecting the sheep that's all I was doing and there was once a bear that came out Have you? can you imagine like a, a, a bear and, and then not only a bear came out a lion came out like can you think of two scarier animals to come attack you and what does David say here David was a was a beast man he said he said look it came out after me i went after him david went after the bear he went after the lion. he struck him and delivered it out of his mouth and if he arose against me i caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him i love how david draws upon this memory of when bears and lions david was catching lions by their beard and killing them and he says goliath's gonna be like that And, and 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 nobody may have even known that but david knew that and David was praying prayers while he was in the sheep field and he was saying God there goes a bear I need your strength I need your power and he would he would fight off the bears and then lions would come after him and David said I'm gonna fight off the lions what you do when nobody's watching informs how you'll do it when everybody's watching when you're by yourself it's just you and Jesus and the enemy and you're making war and you're choosing Jesus over sin and you're choosing him in the battle and then god, that 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 right there is preparing you for your future victories come on your destiny is 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 reliant upon what you do when nobody's watching and because david was able to draw upon these memories that he was winning the war when nobody was watching that god rose him up to do this thing that nobody else was willing to do and your past is preparing you for your future come on and so if you're failing when no one's watching You're going to fail when everybody's watching. But if you can start winning the battle when it's just you and God. And when it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Think about it as an athlete. It's when when your coach isn't looking but you're still doing the job. Or are you goofing off? Are you wasting it? My encouragement is that you wouldn't waste. The gift of time that God has for you you wouldn't waste even your past is preparing you for where God wants to take you your past battles are preparing you for your future victories come on church that's good news amen, amen. that your past battles are preparing you for your future victories I wanted I, I needed that message this morning because sometimes our past battles think well, that's, that's what defines us that's an identity thief God wants to take you to a different level God wants to use your battles. God wants to use your story to do things in your life and through your life that you could have never imagined. David could have never imagined that he would be the one standing in front of Goliath. That he would be the one one day the king of Israel. But it was the things that, that he was doing when nobody was watching. Faithfulness, faithfulness when nobody's watching will turn out to be power in perspective when everybody's watching. I want us to pray now, and let's just go to God, and whatever we need to give to him this morning, I just encourage you to give it to him. Father God, I pray that there would be a perspective change this morning, that you would change our perspective, God. Change our perspective, God. God, there's power in perspective, Lord. Change our hearts, change our minds, And Lord, if somebody's been living in fear this morning and somebody's been living so stressed out that they forgot about your power and somebody's been losing the battle and their their identity's been shifted and swifted away by the enemy, God, right now, I pray that they would draw upon Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who rose from the grave, who defeated sin, who defeated death and empowers his church to rise up in this moment to fight the battles of the world, to fight the battles of life and to rely upon God. God, it's just not a cliche phrase on a dollar bill. It's our life. It's in you that we trust. So Father, if there's somebody in the room this morning that just needs to to acknowledge you and your presence and they need to get their perspective right and they need to make things right with you, God, so that they can be the warrior and the champion that you've called them to be in their personal life, and in their private life. God, when nobody's watching, they're being that man or woman of God that you called them to be. When nobody's watching, they're being that son or daughter that you called them to be. When nobody's watching, they're being that husband and wife that you called them to be. When nobody's watching, they're being that parent, or that grandparent that you called them to be. When nobody's watching, they're being that that person that works at the business, or, or the law firm, or the school, that you've called them to be. us God empower our perspective help us to see the cup half full today and help us to see your hand on the cup God Lord we thank you that you're moving here at Walk Church and if somebody needs to get right with you today Jesus and they just need to have a fresh awakening of the Holy Spirit they just need to feel you in a fresh way for the first time today and put their faith in a new way in you Jesus Christ because thank you that you fight our battles for us if that's you this morning, with your head bowed and all eyes closed, would you just lift your hand up this morning? I just want to see who's in the room that needs, to, that needs to get things right today. I see hands up. I see them up. Father God, I just pray for the hands that are up in the room this morning. People that are feeling empowered, God. People that are having their perspective changed, God. People that are beginning to see that, God, you have you have used their past, God, to create victory in their life. And God, you're not done working yet so i pray that over everybody who stretched out their hand but everybody in this entire church family and everybody who may watch this online god that their perspective would change they wouldn't see things from the enemy's eyes they would see things from the living god's eyes they would walk in the victory that's my prayer today god and if somebody needs to receive you today jesus as their lord and savior i pray that they would put their faith in you jesus believe with all their heart that you died and rose from the grave and that they can have a relationship with you today lord we lift up this prayer today in confidence in the living god who can meet us right where we're at it's in jesus name that we pray amen amen can we just go ahead and round of applause for those those making spiritual decisions amen church you got to get excited about god get excited with me about the lord i thank god that he's alive and at church with us today we're going to get ready to close here i just want to highlight this connection card because some of you made decisions today and we just want to hear from you this card is an opportunity for us to get to know you a little bit better if you made a decision and you want to get baptized today or you received jesus today and began a relationship with him or whatever that may be or you just want more information or you want to check out our growth track which is happening right after our service today please fill out this connection card. Also, if you're a first time guest, this is your first time here. Even if you haven't made a decision, you decided to join us today, would you fill out this connection card? And lastly, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray with you. As our ushers make their way down, um, we're getting ready to give through our tithes and offerings. And there's a special person here this morning that I wanna highlight, one of our partners here in the city, Pastor Shabazz Khan and Bashirian. Would you guys come on down really quick? Um, would, you, would, would you family just clap for this awesome couple right here? We love celebrating God's activity at Walk Church, and um, I'm just grateful for this family. You, you haven't met them yet, um, but this is Pastor Shabazz and his wife Bashirian, and um, they have planted an awesome church here in the city of Las Vegas called South Asian Hope Church, and the, they are just just blowing it out of the water, just killing it, it for the glory of God, and baptizing Muslims and people from Pakistani backgrounds, left and right, and God is using their church in a major way. And um, I've been able to grow in my friendship with Pastor Shabazz, and um, he, he asked us to make wristbands for their church just so that they can pass out. You got a wristband on? Boom! <laughs> Boom, I love it. I'm gonna get a, a, um, a microphone for you really quick, because I just want our church to hear from you just really quick. Um, how we can pray for you specifically, how we can be a part of just blessing, serving South Asian Hope Church, you and your wife, your family. I was able to be on the team that assessed his church and um, God has been doing a great work through it. We can hold off on the baskets really quick until we pray. Pastor Shabazz, tell us about your church. How can we be praying for y'all?
1: Good morning, Walk Church. It's a really privilege to be here and worship with you. And Brother Hayden, I really bless the sermon you have preached this morning. Thank you brother. Uh, We start this church almost uh, when you people start the church. And uh, I came almost two years uh, uh, ago in in Las Vegas and we start with zero. Because uh, I don't know any Pakistani and Indian in the city. But God is great. Uh, I call in New Mexico. And my friend gave me a one number and called him. And then we start meeting the peoples. And now we are over 50. Come on. Oh. Amen. Amen. Yes. It's huge. It's amazing. Uh, last it's amazing. night, we have a prayer meeting. Because we have a prayer meeting bi-weekly. Um, we have one a Muslim who is attending a church since two years. And last evening, he said that I have uh, three things to share with you peoples. Come on the first thing he said that before uh, when i start coming to church i uh, assume and that god is uh, hearing my prayers and second thing he said that i learned in the church to, to forgive because Powerful. islam have not a teaching on forgive the islam have a teaching that you have to go and fight against your enemy mm. and the third thing he said that i learned from the church that everything i have is not mine. It's belong to God.
0: That's good. That's so good. That's so good. Praise God.
1: And we are really grateful. Uh, for uh, the contribution. In the ministry. And uh, all our members. Uh, have wear this one. And they all remember you. And pray for you guys. And also we need that you pray for us. Because we need our prayer partners. And as I told you that the peoples I have in my church, they are mostly um, came, some families came as a refugees from um, the Thailand because the Pakistan, in Pakistan, the peoples are uh, uh, really in bad shape and uh, during uh, the last week they, um, the Muslim burned a huge church Mm. in northern area. Hmm. And the pe- mostly people they left the country. They are in Thailand. They are in a bad shape in Thailand. They are in yeah. uh, uh, behind the bars. And uh, when they came over here, uh, they have no money to pay the church. Hmm. So we need your prayers, and we need uh, more uh, um, uh, prayer partners and the finance partner that we have to uh, reach the peoples. Amen. So. Just to pray for us and pray for the peoples; those are in the bar. So good, and especially the people; those are lost the church. Yeah, so we're going to pray I for you right Sunday, now. This Sunday, where they have to worship, because mm. they burned the Bibles, then they burned the church. Mm. Thank you, brother, and thank you, church.
0: Wow! Hey, can we just clap? Give a give a round for Pastor Shabazz and Bashirian. We're going to pray for you right now.